Well, these are two images that you should recognise. Anyone tell me the one in red? Who's that? Santa. Santa Claus. And who's the one on the other side? Mary and Jesus. There's two, Mary and Jesus. Now, for a long time, when I was a kid and when I was a teenager, I thought these two were like enemies. You know, you had to be either on Jesus' side or Santa's side. And would you believe I found this on the internet? There's even a board game you can buy where you decide whose team are you going to be on? And maybe they should have one big fight and work it out. Who's the best? Is it Jesus or is it Santa? Which one wins? Santa. And I thought in some ways we have a choice about, well, which one do we follow? But then I, I know the story of Jesus, but then I heard the story of Santa. And so I want to tell you the sort of Sa- story of Santa because this story helped mellow me out. Once upon a time, there was no Santa Claus. I know. There was no fancy trees and holidays and children didn't get any presents. Now that is bad. There's still parts of the world and some people who don't get presents at Christmas. Uh, There was still Christmas, but it was only a small celebration in church. And we know that this happened around 300 AD. That's 300 years after Jesus was born, which is... 1,700 years ago. So it's a long, long time ago in a land far, far away. There was, though, this young man called Nicholas. Now, Nick's parents were really rich. They had a big house and many servants. And so they always bought him lots of toys. Most of the children had very small houses, not much food, and hardly any toys. But Nicholas was very kind, and he would give his toys to other children who had none. Nick, he heard the story about baby Jesus, how he was born in a lowly cattle shed, how he had fed the poor and healed the sick, and how he had died on a cross for his sins. Nick was so moved, he decided to bow his knee and to follow Jesus all of his life. He no longer used his money for himself. In fact, he sold his big house and he moved into a tiny one and became a priest in a town called Myra. He did many wonderful things for the poor and he soon became a bishop. And as a bishop, he was given a red robe to wear. Father Nicholas now never stopped doing kind things for poor people. And at Christmas, during the night, while everyone was fast asleep, he would lose food and presents for poor families all over town before anyone saw him. And then he would slip off quietly into the night. One man had lost all his money and his wife and his three daughters were starving. Father Nicholas heard about their story. He went to their house at night and he threw a small bag of money in the window. 
The next morning when the family found the money, they were overjoyed because now they could buy food. The next night, Father Nicholas went back and threw another bag of money in the window and it landed in a shoe. Again, the family couldn't believe such a miraculous thing had occurred. On the third night, the father decided to close the window and to wait and find out who was giving them such wonderful gifts. Nicholas, seeing the closed window, climbed up onto the roof and dropped the third bag down the chimney. And it landed in a stocking that had been put in the empty fireplace to dry. But the father heard and he went outside and he caught Father Nicholas. And he said, thank you. Thank you so much for these wonderful gifts. Nicholas begged him to keep these things a secret. But word slowly spread that it was Father Nicholas who was giving such gifts. Father Nicholas did many wonderful things in his life and eventually they made him a saint. Saint Nicholas. Saint Nicholas. Saint Claus. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Everyone began to follow his example and give gifts once a year to the poor. What better day to remember this great man than on the day that we celebrate the birth of our Saviour. Now, I don't know how Saint Nicholas, Saint Claus, came to live in the North Pole and how he trained all his reindeer, but I think it's good that even Santa bows at the manger of Jesus. Did you know Santa is only found, well, was only found in Christian countries until globalisation? Because Santa comes from our story as well. Now, I still have some issues with Santa, but maybe Jesus and Santa have more in common than we think. And this one's for the adults. Maybe Jesus and Santa have a common enemy. Mm-hmm. But this Christmas story and this Santa story, they've got such great origin stories. When did they become all about us? When did Christmas become about us? Somehow in Christmas, we've believed this myth. This is the myth, boys and girls and adults. Happiness or satisfaction comes from getting what we want. Somehow we've believed this myth. Happiness comes from getting what you want. Now we know that getting what you want brings an immediate short-term high. You know, you unwrap the present and it's yay, yay. And then what do you do? What's next? What's next? It's a high that actually doesn't last. And it means that we keep going shopping and we keep having to get stuff. And we've got to get stuff and get stuff and get stuff. What does that sound like? It's a word our grandparents used to use, isn't it? This word selfishness. When we're inflicted with this myth, Christmas becomes a bit selfish. It's all about me. Now, you might have heard this next line. 
Happiness rather comes from within. Now that's actually a better way to think about it. But again, if you think about that, happiness comes from within means that we look within. And it actually means we isolate ourselves. We look here and we don't look around us. And again, it can suddenly become about me. Well, these days, they've done a lot of research about happiness and satisfaction. People like uh, Hugh Mackay, the Australian sociologist, uh, and a guy called Jonathan Haidt. There's lots of research about happiness, and we actually know what um, helps us to find happiness and satisfaction. And Jonathan Haidt puts it this way. Happiness comes from between. Happiness comes from between. When do you think, what does that mean? What does that mean? It actually, happiness is not in here and it's not out there. It's actually in the interaction of you and others. When you are in healthy, mutual relationships with one person and with a community, then that is what actually makes you happy. When you have close friends and a community and you interact. That's what makes you happy. Selfishness is a huge deception of our times. It will suck you up, chew you in, spit you out. And we know that from social media. Social media is all about me. And yet it's having this mental health effect on our society. Rather, mutual respectful relationships, which are about selflessness. And, oh, I hear that, but I know that that's fighting at the very core of me because I kind of want the first one. I want to get what I want. I want to get what I want. But no, I've got to be in healthy, mutual relationships with the other. The second part is happiness comes from between you and something to do. You and a task, you and a job, you and volunteering. That when you find something to do, then that actually improves your satisfaction. Jesus actually says it's better to give than to receive. Now, this is what we do with this. We twist it around and think, I've got to find the perfect job. But it actually doesn't matter. You don't have to find the perfect job or the perfect volunteering thing. You just have to do something. You do something that's meaningful to you or meaningful to others that takes you out of yourself and makes you see yourself in perspective. Happiness comes from between you and others, you and a task, and this last one, you and God. Most of the authors will say it's, when you give yourself to something bigger, when you give yourself to the tennis club or, or the army or, or volunteering at your local church, when you give yourself to something bigger, and that's fine and that's good, but there is nothing bigger than God. There's nothing bigger than God. When you give yourself to something bigger, it actually helps you to make sense of, well, what's my purpose? What's my task? When you give yourself to God, it deals with that selfishness because you go, ah, God wants me 
to help and look after others. It actually gives you a community, one like this, where you can say, ah, it's amazing all this research that we've got because really it just goes back to what Jesus said all those years ago. He said, love God. Give yourself to something, someone bigger. Love God. Love your neighbour. Get yourself out of yourself. Get yourself in community as you love yourself. So you still need to care for yourself, look after yourself, but do that in community. So this Christmas, is it time to give yourself to something bigger than yourself? Let's pray.